everyone. Welcome to the Worship Artistry Podcast. My name is Jason Houtsma, and with me is... Christina Kuslanka. Hey, guys. How's it going? <laughs> hey, guys. Hey, guys. Just been working on my influencer You have been. Stuff. Even though some of it's not gone so well. It's okay. I got blocked. He... Jason <laughs> thought that it was funny to... It replic- was funny. It was funny to replicate someone else's video and to, to make it all okay. influency. Well, the thing was... Is, you know, I've been more active on Instagram and everything. He has been. And I've always, everyone's always known how I feel about like quote unquote influencers. And so I, so I, but I've been doing stuff because it's been fun and it's getting to interact with people and everything. And so my wife and I were away at this cabin for a couple of days, which was wonderful. And, uh, but we know you pointed out to me, they're like, oh, this influencer, influencer was just at this exact same cabin like what is the likelihood of that right so she shot this video it's a very like it's clearly that place and so i'm like i'm going there i'm gonna just do it shot for shot so it was like a real and i'm like great so I, yeah I was, I was like this will be hilarious and it was because i put my <laughs> i put myself playing guitar in all the in her exact shot beautiful video it was perfectly timed yes. i was so proud of it i was like Nailed this one. Your version of this video still exists. It is. Yeah, you can go to Jason.Houtsma or at Jason.Houtsma. Yes, on Instagram. On Instagram and see what it looked like and know that this is the exact same thing somebody else did. Now it's a little out of context, though, because within 20 minutes, she had blocked me and taken everything down. And, and I was like. unfortunately mm. blocked me along with him. <laughs> She's like, you, you so sad. <laughs> so <I'm> so sad. <laughs> so, you know, I thought of, you know, I was like, you know, if I was younger and more vitriolic and, uh, and had way more time on my hands, I would just go recreate every one of her videos. That is called stalking. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. It's just something like, it's a prank I could see myself having done in college. That's like a. Sure. College level. Pre-social media. Yeah. I know. I actually felt, well, I actually felt bad because then you're yeah. like, you start going like, well, why were you concerned about this? Yeah, like, what's yeah. the problem? But you can't, you can't contact them because, because you're blocked. blocked you. <laughs> uh, well, you know who hasn't blocked me? <laughs> who, Jason? It's, it's Chris Hoisington. <laughs> wow. Who is Chris Hoisington? <laughs> Chris Hoisington. He is uh, one part of Brothers McClurg. He yes. also was very involved in producing the Bellsburg Sessions, which, which we were just talking about with yes. Andrew Greer. Mm-hmm. And you should also know that actually, I think today, actually the album Deep Valley, which is a a a live concert that Rich Mullins recorded at uh, at at a camp mm-hmm. back in like '83 or something. They just released that as an album. Which is today, cool. as of February eighth, ninth, ninth. Yeah, we'll include a link for it sure. in the description. We'll of link this podcast. to it. It's gonna be sweet. Yes. Um, but anyway, so Chris Chris was kind of the guy behind a lot of the sound, kind of what was. Kind of the the approach to it, he was really captured by Rich's um, his Jesus record, kind of more the demos style things. And Chris actually has been on our podcast before. He was actually one of my favorite episodes because he talked about uh, using the recording studio as an instrument because he really kind of thinks about it in that way. And so he's a great conversation. He's always a great hang. And uh, so without further ado, Chris Hoisington. It has been a while. It has been a it's it's funny out of all the pot i mean we're on i don't know episode 170 yeah. something or whatever but like one of my all-time favorites was using the studio as an instrument oh, and it man. was cool because you were just getting started with like old bear and like i actually looked at our text i was like 2018 holy cow yeah. so uh a lot's been going yeah. on it's good to see you i mean i've been following all the bellsburg stuff and yeah it's uh 
I can't, I, I, I just, I want to ask you about all the things, just all the stuff that you got going on. Cause it seems like a lot. Yeah, man. Um, the, the Bellsburg thing was a started probably not long after the converse, uh, the conversation we last had, but, um, a friend came up to make a record and he was, he's like a huge Rich Mullins fan. And I mean, I always knew the, you know, the, the random Rich Mullins song, like everybody does, uh, cause he's got so many, but I've never, I've never deep, you know, dove deep into his catalog. Um, but he in particular was like, you got to hear this record called G- the Jesus record. And they have other side of the record. That's just the G- the demos of him in a church, just with a boombox playing the songs. And <clears throat> I definitely was not into the Jesus record, the production. And with a lot of Rich Mullins stuff, it tends to be the production is very uh, dated to whatever yeah. time, the 90s or 80s or whatever, whatever the label was trying to chase. And so when I heard the demos, I immediately was like blown away by just the, the rawness of it and just the purity of it and reminded me of like, those early folk writers that would just, you know, like Woody Guthrie, you know, playing on the back of a train with like a, a recorder next to him or something. And so I immediately, my brain just started going like, that is the perfect idea for a record, like approach it as demos, a demo style record, a record he never intended to be the direction of a record. He was just documenting songs with a, a tape recorder. And so immediately just got me thinking about, man, wouldn't it be cool to do a Rich Mullins record of covers done in that demo style? And then a little while after that, and we had also a friend of mine said, hey, you know, he's uh, his old house is still outside of Nashville in this place called Bellsburg. Uh, he didn't say Bellsburg at the time, but he was like, you know, I drive by his house sometimes. And so I ended up, we ended up getting in touch with the lady who lives in his house now that Rich gave, gifted her the house when he moved to like Kansas or something like that. And um, she was open to the idea of us tracking it in, in her house, which to me just kind of deepened the story. I'm like, oh man, this is just this, it, it almost turns it into more of an experience, you know, than just mm-hmm recording a record in some studio somewhere and so but then COVID hit and so it derailed it for for like a year and a half and then we got in uh you know uh the fall of 2019 I think we start was the first no what am I saying the fall of 2021 or something like that um and so we got in there and did the first sessions with uh, uh, who's there the first time. Like I think Amy Grant came in and with with Andrew Greer and uh, they uh, and Cindy Morgan and they did a song called Sparrow Watcher, which was cool because each artist also kind of picked a song that was um, meant something to them. Mm-hmm. You know, the song that Brothers McClure did, "Heaven Is Waiting," was only recorded on a musical that he wrote called tanticle of the plains that we did a version of um and so we left it up to each artist to like pick this their song 
that that meant something to them of Rich Mullins catalog. And so I think that kind of helped deepen the story. Um, and obviously Dave Trout from UTR, and he was the guy who who introduced me to Andrew Greer. Uh, Andrew Greer obviously is is extremely connected in Nashville, and he had just written a book about uh, Rich Mullins that. Mm-hmm. Winds of Heaven, Stuff of Earth book with uh, Randy Cox. So he and I talked and we hit it off and he immediately was like, hey, I can help help you connect the dots here in Nashville because I know a lot of these people and I just got done writing this Rich Mullins book and uh, so I've been connecting with a bunch of these people. So, but yeah, I mean, it was, a, you know, from that to, I don't know if, we also reissued a, a, an early Rich Mullins concert from the eighties called deep Valley that hasn't, it came out to everybody on Kickstarter, but it hasn't doesn't officially come out until next year. Um, we did that on CD and vinyl and had, that's a whole other story, but I've been working with Beth who has since the early days went to college with Rich. And so she has all these tapes of different concerts different all these wild early versions of songs like she just sent me one the other day of right after he wrote that song i see you Mm -hmm. and he came to her house or her apartment and he's like i want i want to teach you this song he just wrote this song and he's singing it and she's doing the echo parts but it's just him and the guitar and it just it's so fragile and so perfectly personal um that we old bears started with her to uh, uh to develop so, uh, like a an archival series of rich mullins recordings uh because i i i i like more of that stuff i like the more raw sounding stuff like him at the piano or him and just a guitar wow. you know more simple i, I mean in, in some ways when i hear i see you him doing the version like this could be a new really popular worship song again if they you know just heard it this way because it's not with all the 90s u2 uh dated production of that time yeah you know yeah so yeah that was always kind of the the thing that was funny to me you know with rich mullins everyone's like oh the awesome god guy and you're like oh yeah. i mean i mean come on like, yeah. like yeah. that one exists yes but let's talk about you know a liturgy a legacy let's talk about like you know sometimes by step and these other songs that are just so much more you know timeless right yeah yeah i mean it was a it was an amazing uh journey to uh it's you know doing i think doing records like that is can be very difficult uh i was saying to somebody it, i think probably doing a compilation record for any producer would be the hardest thing to tackle and not make it just seem like a bunch of one-offs of guys yeah. that just recorded it in different studios there's no cohesion it's more from a label's perspective it's always more about the individual songs making the money not so much how does this gel as an actual piece of art or whatever and so i was very intentional and was talking constantly about like let's redeem the idea of a compilation record and actually do something with all these people involved and actually make it very cohesive and very 
this is the idea. This is kind of how we're going to approach it. And there was a, there was three songs that we weren't able to track at his house just because of either proximity or like, I think Sarah Groves tracked in her how at her studio, um, Carolyn Aaron's cause she's in like British Columbia, Canada. Um, mm-hmm. and then, uh, the third one was, uh, Jason Gray did a song called here in America that we actually recorded it at the house and he was not they were not he was not happy with the way he sounded his voice and it's a tough way to record because you basically you know you have to show up and be on and and if if you're not good it's not there's there's nothing we can do to cover it up and right. not saying he's not good i'm just saying he he was great he did a great job on the song just there was a couple times where it was hard to get a version that wasn't too far out, you know, that felt like, yeah. okay, it's the right amount of mess up that still feels cool and appropriate. Right. So, yeah, in doing that, in because you guys did it, I mean, pretty much live. I mean, at least the videos look like it's like people just standing around a microphone and it's like, go. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, you the talent pool that you had to pull from is amazing because in those scenarios, it's just kind of like, yeah, how do you sound? Go ahead and do it. And that's what it is. Right. Um, but at the same time, it, it, do, it, it doesn't, it, how do I say it? It doesn't feel like, it, it's kind of like you said, it's like, it feels raw in all the right ways. Like you still hear all the guitars, you still hear all the vocalists, you still hear what were some of your approaches to actually like, even just like mic technique and that kind of stuff. Yeah, we just had a couple like Neumann microphones, uh, room mics that we used that Evan, the guy who is, uh, he engineered all the sessions, uh, would basically kind of just place them in the right, you know, like, okay, well, Ron Block is playing banjo on this song and more lead. So I'm gonna point this mic more at him even though it's just as far away from him as it is from the person playing rhythm guitar. So there's just a lot of like that type of stuff or like three people singing harmony around a mic. Well, this person sings a lot louder here. So we, she needs to back up like a foot and then lean in when she sings her lead, her lead parts. Um, We had to do a bunch of stuff like that. And then, and then we'd have the little, tape recorder set up in the middle of the room like rich would have could have done with his demos and they would push record on that we had that going the whole time so some of the some of the songs you can really hear the tape is mixed into all of the tracks with Mm -hmm. the room mics we wanted to have the ability to have the lo-fi and not be totally married to the lo-fi to be able to do a little bit better than what rich did you know obviously yeah. that some of those recordings are are really rough where you can't even hear what he's saying because it's, it's so rough um so we wanted it you know we we didn't want to like you know i knew that if i went all the way with it some things i've tried on other records especially in christian music they would you know moms and grandmas would not get it and they would be like why does this sound bad you know <laughs> like i I could tell you stories of like, I mean, one record we started out with like the radio dial thing, like spinning between stations for like 30 seconds. And 
some lady brought the CD back at a concert. And she was like, my CD's broken. I can't get it to work. It's just, it's just static, you know? And, uh, <laughs> so it's, you know, we're kind of in a genre where art is not always appreciated in the way that maybe, uh, it is in other, you know, it, mm-hmm. art, art in the church has a, a practicability. Practical is it practical? Is it usable? Um, and so I think with this, we tried to marry it as much as we could, where it was like a nod to like rich, maybe something rich would have done if he was alive today and was not making, you know, top 40 music or who knows, you know, who knows what he'd be doing. But, um, we, we tried to like, kind of hit all those bases. Uh, I mean, we did the CD release concert for it in Nashville and, and, one of the best things that I heard was, you know, Andrew Peterson came and found, found me outside after. And he was like, man, this is like the Rich Mullins tribute album I've always wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and thanks for letting me be a part of it. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, thank you. So <laughs> I, when you hear stuff like that, you feel like, you know, and I, and I, I haven't always, you know, outside of the few records that Brothers has done, you know, we've always kind of been outside of the industry since then. And so, but, you know, we happen upon these ideas and, and, and I kind of like to be outside of the Nashville thing a little bit so that I can kind of have a fresh perspective to do things like what we did with the rich thing. Not that there aren't people making great records in Nashville. I'm just saying that like, you know, it was a blessing to have all these people come together um, and you know uh make something like this happen and be okay with it you know and uh i don't know you know you you had it was so interesting to me because it was like you had people like andrew peterson there you had you guys you you know you had kind of the speculated mitch mcvicker you know like you got uh and then you got like amy grant and you know all these like people from all over the spectrum but they all seem to i mean they all seem to do really they all seem to really fit really well. Um, yeah. Did you find, was there, was there kind of an energy around recording this way? Because it's so not the way we're used to with like, oh, and then we're going to tune the vocal and then the guitar is going to be over here. We got to make sure we isolate that. And that's going to be stereo. And like, was there kind of a little, did that, it seemed like everybody seemed to enjoy the energy of it. Yeah. I, I would say that that was a hundred. I think that made it special um, because David McCracken, who was, who was Rich Moan's manager for a while mm-hmm. when he was alive, he was best friends with Rich. He, he would come in every day we would record and he'd made this, this banana nut bread that, that Rich's mom used to make for him all the time. And he made all these loaves to hand out to all the artists with like a, in a little gift bag with like a bunch of photographs of Rich through the years and like a thank you card and it just was very homemade and same with connie hawk who owned the house she just went above and beyond to like create an environment like when i showed up there was like you know rich volan's vinyl around and like when he was on the cover of ccm and all these different things like she decorated it in a way that was very like stuff he had around when he was alive you know his pipes were hanging on the wall and uh 
And then, like I said, Beth came from Cincinnati every time, and she's the one who is kind of the keeper of the early Rich Mullins music. She just sat on the porch the whole time. That was, and would just talk to people. So it ended up becoming this just hang time. When you look at the artwork, it's just pictures of people hanging around the house and yeah. showing up. I mean, that's basically how it was the whole time tracking. Um, and uh, that was the first time I met Jimmy Abag is when he showed up to record. And now I'm, and now I'm actually in the middle of uh, doing a record with him and uh, Matt Slocum from Sixpence and Phil Madeira, who also played with Rich and Steve Hindelong and Ben Pearson. Ben Pearson was like a photographer for Rich for years. We're, I'm making a record with them right now. And I met some of those guys because of this record. So I'm saying yeah. it was like the fruit of friendship was definitely had uh, because of it. And you, I think you hit it on the head. I mean, everybody who came just wanted to hang out. So like Jimmy recorded early in the morning and he just ended up staying the whole day. I was like, can someone give me a ride home now? <laughs> it was like, <laughs> it was like how it was uh, Tommy Sims, who is, if you don't know the guy look him up on google he's he wrote that song um change the world that eric clapton does mm -hmm. he toured with bruce springsteen playing bass he played he uh, produced a bunch of cc Winans records i mean he's a he's a big deal he showed up and just had he had so much fun he played uh on sparrow watcher and later he texted andrew greer and said I don't even want to get paid for this. Like I, I just haven't had this much fun in a studio in a while. Like it just was refreshing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you call it a studio, what, you yeah. know, whatever you want to call it. And I think for me, I've always wanted to try to create experiences for people more than um, we're just here in a studio, you know? So yeah. try to create that feeling of, you know, you can't, create a legacy record all the time but to try to create something that will you know maybe not be commercially successful right away but it, it it blesses people and the comments that i'm hearing are i mean are just i love how they approach this i love that they kept it how they you know how they recorded it how how simple it is and and just you know uh that's just what I'm hearing, you know? And I think, yeah. uh, and I didn't know, I mean, we had no idea that it was going to raise 170, whatever raised on Kickstarter. That was just like in, in like three days or four days, whatever it was, mm -hmm. it was nuts. Um, well, tell me, I mean, tell me a little bit more about that. I was going, yeah. you, you can keep going if you want. I, I'd like to know a little yeah. more about that on, cause I've, I've been kind of watching what you guys have done. Uh, you know, kind of look at old bear and like, it seems like you're doing a lot of things. Like that's kind of how you're raising funds to do records. It's not like, Hey, walk in here with your record label budget. It's like, you're finding artists and going, I don't know, are you finding them? Or are they finding you? Like the Kickstarter thing it's, seems it's to be a big part of how everybody's paying for this. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Um, in fact, that's exactly the, what I'm doing right now with, with uh with jimmy and phil and those guys we're we're going we're making the record now and then at the end of january we'll go to we'll we'll launch the kickstarter for for this project but there will also lord willing will there'll, there'll be uh another 
Rich Mullins uh, reissue attached mm-hmm. to the to that character. Um, but yeah, it is. Be- um, I I'm I I'm both fan. You know, like there I, I have people that record with me all the time, and I get paid, and that's great. And then there's just sometimes you have these ideas, these crazy ideas of like, I want to do this record and I'm just going to do it and then, and figure it out, you know, and, uh, and let's just see what this, maybe this Kickstarter thing. It wasn't like I started, this was a passion project for me mm-hmm. and then it turned into something more, you know? And so I kind of always am balancing those things is like, I don't want to, I don't want to be a guy who's just like, I'm all about money. I mean, obviously I got to provide for myself, but I also think if you're willing to take chances, if you have a good idea, you know, and and you have enough people who are in it with you that rally around it with you, it can happen, you know? And so Mm -hmm. that, that was Dave Trout to me, even though he runs UTR media, he's kind of like a, a part of old bear too. Like Mm -hmm. when, when we were just doing a record in Nashville last week, he stopped by with like a whole cooler of drinks and water and, and like a sandwich tray. We kind of had some <laughs> of the same like homemade vibes of, of the rich record. Uh, and so, and he's the guy who's kind of helping old bear in the, in, in the capacity of Kickstarter and he's good at it. Um, and so, yeah, it, I, for that record in this record in particular, it makes sense to, to go mm-hmm. about it that way. Um, and then kind of let the chips fall because I also think the the fruit of friendship and just relationship that come from being in the same room yeah. with some of these people who are like, man, this guy, who is this kid? He's, you know, would never, most of them don't know who Brothers McClurg is. Um, but it's, you know, it, it leaves an impression for sure, you know? So I, I have lots of ideas of, of things I'd like to do in the future. I'm just trying to, you know, space them out in a way that like, you know, I can, I can make it happen. So, um, but that's, that's right now we're, we're uh, uh, just in a good place with it, you know, just, it just uh, re- released November 4th. So we'll yeah. fit like the whole thing. So, Yeah. So we're just kind of, I'm actually, we're going next week, my brother and I and Jeremy back to Nashville because we're backing up Kevin Max for his Winter Woods weekend. I just recorded his Christmas record, uh, which is really interesting and kind of weird. And we did lots of cool harmonies and things on it. He liked it, a bunch of really old English carols that we set to music. So that'll be a fun a fun mm-hmm. hang you know um so and he did a song on the rich record too that uh you didn't have a home which is one yeah. of my favorites it's one of my favorites too there's yeah. so many good lines in that one <laughs> yeah he that was funny he did that in like three takes <laughs> all right you think you got everything you need you know yeah like, yeah it's <laughs> great uh and mitch just showed up that day with his harmonica and was like i'm gonna play harmonica and so he jumped in and when we just <laughs> so went good. for it you know yeah but it's so yeah, good man, man. It's, it's i'm super grateful for it because it's you know i i in like a, a liturgy of legacy in a ragamuffin band was a very influential record for me 
Um, and then having, uh, you know, a bunch of Rich's writings. And then when he died, he was like the first famous person whoever like who died that ever affected me. Like, I was just like, what? Like, I mean, it like wrecked my day, you know? But it's like a yeah. lot of his older stuff is unbelievable. But to your point, it's very dated. Even going back, I was listening to the to liturgy and I'm like, oh man, some of the, like, oh, the guitar tones in here, you know? And then I actually, Andrew Greer, I interviewed him like a couple of weeks ago. And yeah. uh, and he sent me the link for the for the concert. I was like, if you can oh, find this felt- for me, I missed it. No, no, for the uh, the concert you guys all did. Oh, right, right. With, uh, yeah. with, with compassion, you know? And so yeah. he's like, yeah, he's like, I think we got it around here somewhere. I was just like, please, please get me that concert because I want to see it so bad when it's wonderful. Um, but uh, but yeah, like, you know, hearing Andrew Peterson sing Land of My Sojourn in the way that he does it, it's like so powerful, right? And it's like the way that you guys perform, like the hello old friends, like there's just yeah. so much. I, I feel like it kind of moves all the production stuff out of the way and lets the lyrics shine, which to me have always been the, like, these lyrics are timeless. They're amazing. They put me to shame, <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's just, this man was so talented. And so well, just, the just, way that you've crafted it, it works great. Here's, here's a, a side anecdote too. Um, so that, that record in particular, uh, the legacy whatever however you say the Mm. title that record (laughs) was supposed to be done originally in a barn with some microphones and just the band and so jimmy Mm. abeg told me a whole story about it and then at the last minute you know he went back to the label they didn't like the idea so they went in the direction so it made me think like what would it have sounded like if they did it just the band in the barn doing it you know and so that's kind of was the genesis of the record I'm working on right now, um, because there's three guys in the band that were in that were ragamuffins. It was like, well, let's do almost like a front porch type of vibe record, yeah. you know, that's like like for sitting on the front porch, almost like the band version of Bellsburg is what we've been calling it with a little mm-hmm. bit more bells and whistles and things like that. But yeah, it's just, it, 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 and it's so to see that influence kind of trickle into other things of like, yeah, we, you know, we were actually going to make that record in a barn and then the, the label said no. And it may, may be a totally different, would have been a totally different experience, I think. Yeah. You know? totally. Not that it, the songs feel great, but like you said, it, 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 I don't know. It feels like it, just it polished. Is, it's, a sign. it's very polished. It's polished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a sign of that time too. Yeah. So do but. you uh do you feel like you know, in you know, we were talking you were talking about kind of being an outsider from you know outside of Nashville. And I know what you mean about Nashville. Nashville has a lot of great stuff, but they're definitely every time I go there, I'm like, everything seems to just kind of push towards this like one stream. It's like, yeah, this thing yeah. is like, okay, that's cool. Let's take out all that stuff and just now it now it has what it needs, you know. And, right. uh, and sometimes it's really great. And sometimes it, you're kind of like, but that's not really what we're trying to do here, you know? Right. Um, so between that and then also being kind of being a, a latecomer to the Rich Mullins world, right. do you feel like that actually helped you? Like I know for myself, I know that when I, when I'm, when I'm teaching songs, right, we've got like 600 songs on worship artistry, right? And right. I feel very differently about the bands that I'm a fan of that I'm like, I'm doing this 
doesn't even matter the chart. I just love the song. We're doing this song, but I feel like almost like more, more attachment to it versus something right. that's like, Hey, I'm trying to just do this. Like, do you feel like it was kind of helpful to, to be a little bit like a little coming from the outside? Or did you feel like, I, oh, I, like I got a lot to make up here to me, to me, what, what spoke to me first was the production idea. And then I started to listen to his music more deeply and I realized, wow, this guy can really craft lyrics, you know? Um, I think it, I don't know if, and yeah, I think it did help me because I was, but there was no like, you know, everything it's like that Pedro the lion lyric, you know, if it isn't making dollars, it isn't making sense. You know, I still think mm -hmm. about that line all the time when it comes to like, making records in this industry and i think that there are producers that are really great at knowing how to hit the bullseye of what's popular i cannot i just that that's just not how i operate i'm more i'm more like hey let's just do something totally different and see how it how it works and we have these few ideas and let's just kind of see and i think that um I, you know, I do think in the nineties of Christian music, there was a much more of a scene of that at like tooth and nail and that mm -hmm. black back when money was still more music was making more money. So you had a lot of these offshoot uh, underground labels and even in Christian music that were doing really cool things. I, you just yeah. kind of don't see it that often, but I do think the coalescence of that with somebody like rich, who still has such a loyal following that was that's mm -hmm. what blew me away was how many people were i don't know just like still love the man to death and you know his life and work means so much to them and they i mean it was obviously evident so i feel like i it was like a huge blessing to kind of be a part of that um when we had the the CD release, like, you know, I spent a bunch of time with David Mullins' brother and his wife pulled me aside and just said she, how much this all really meant to David and he's loved the whole process. And um, so, I mean, you hear stuff like that and you got to think, well, it's definitely what we're doing here is definitely more than just music. It's community, which um, ties back into our faith and the importance of that, you know? And so I think if, if you can tap that, but, but Rich had a very unique way of for, you know, having birthday parties with 200 people at his house, just camped out on the floor and he just had a way of just loving people who were estranged from the church. And, mm. um, I mean, even that weekend, uh, Jimmy Abag did an art show at Amy Grant's farm and he would tell, he was just telling stories of being on the road with Rich and kind of just, just how he was, you know? And so I think it's just, I think it's also that we happened to stumble upon something and it happened to get tripped up because of COVID. So then it happened to be the 25th anniversary of his passing. Mm -hmm. It was just like a perfect storm of things that in my life will probably never, I'll never quite see anything like that happen again. So I think that's why all of us that were a part of the production team, Andrew Greer, my Evan Sealing, uh, Dave Trout, and my brother uh, from the, the label end to Beth Lutz, 
who was kind of helping with the early music. I don't know. It just was like a, a great moment in time that I'll, I'll always just grateful that I was had some weird idea and that I got enough people to help me and come alongside me and make it happen. Um, Cause if not, it would, it wouldn't have been the way it was. Um, and some of those guys I was connected to, you know, I've done records with Mitch and Kevin Max and Audrey Assad and I have, have had conversations and uh, Derek Webb, but that like uh, some of those people like Amy Grant, I would, you know, that's, that's like Andrew Greer knows, you know, <laughs> has, his like best friend, he's really good friends with her. Mm -hmm. So it was great that she came in because that track is one of my favorites because oh, I so love good. how raw it is. And they don't really, those people don't really record that way, nor do they need to. But I, in my, in the way I like to hear things, I'm glad that it went the way it did and they, that they're cool with it. So. Yeah, it's, it sounds, it sounds so good. It really does. It opens up, like I said, it opens up the whole catalog because you're going, oh, like this isn't a way that I can hear it differently than just putting on something that, like you said, is like really dated. You know, I was laughing with Allie, yeah. with my wife. I was like, do you realize like he wrote sing your praise to the Lord? Like, like, <laughs> you're just like, wait, what? You know, Dude, like, the funny thing is, too, I was just going to say, even in the back, back catalog, there's all these little scraps of great music that never got cut you know that there that one song that's on the record whitewater was one yeah it's like an amazing song that just has been sitting in beth's thing you know uh in her on her tape that we pulled it from and there's and since then she'll just send me all this stuff and yeah there's i'm not as like into show tune rich mullins you know like they that's yeah. kind of how they joke like him at the piano doing the real like fast not so much the songs where he's doing the keith green thing at the church like yeah. <laughs> you're you're which they're appropriate for the time so we're sifting through to find but there's all these songs that have these great little singer songwriter moments there's this one called a, Fa a falling of so many tears i think um we're hoping to release at some point of his it's okay it's just there's a bunch of still really good stuff that's worth yeah. hearing if you're a fan of his you know so for sure i was so amazed at the way just some of the arrangements came together so andrew sent me a copy of work tapes so yeah. i got to throw that in so that's got that's like upcoming right that's yeah talk, that's talked about i can say that right yeah yep okay okay so yeah um so I was listening to that and I was like, oh my gosh, they did the color green, which is, that was the song that got me in. That was the one that like the lyrics of that song just destroy me. And I have tried to sit down on a guitar and turn that into something that I can play. And I'm just like, this is so, like the timing is so weird. And like, how do I make this work? And so to, to actually hear it done, I was like, oh, that's how I, it's now made it yeah. accessible for me to express it, you know, which is, right, right. Which is awesome. It's like really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that was like kind of a last minute uh, decision from my brother and Andrew actually to, hey, let's let's invite other artists in to, now that we've set the pace with Bellsberg, why don't we invite other artists in to do versions of songs? So that that was kind of where that all happened. Which Old Bear does like demo stuff all the time, like 
where we've put out little demo series with people with their, you know, artists on the label with their iPhones. So all that is like in our wheelhouse of stuff we like to do. We're talking about possibly doing another uh, work tapes uh, too. So we'll see kind of how it shakes out. But to be honest, once it got to work tapes, I was pretty like mentally checked out. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> like, like, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. And and really those, those guys kind of spearheaded that piece of it. I, you know, I'm sure they gave me credit for it, but I honestly have just kind of been, I was, by the time we finished a double LP of Bellsburg, yeah. I was like, all right. Time, head, head, time for something else. <laughs> time for something else. Yeah. That's just kind of in my, my mentality. I'm like, okay, what's next? What do I need to, what am I, what am I working towards now? And, so it's nice and so what, are, so what are you working so what are you working towards now you've got the the that live the kind of like porch record right um yep. what well tell me yeah tell me more what's going on with old bear and kind of the because last time we talked a few years ago right it's like yep. they're just kind of talking about the creative things that you're doing in the studio i mean i you guys did like a music video i saw where you used like a felt board like a like oh little, yeah, 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 yeah. It was like the coolest thing, man. It like brought so much joy to my heart. It was like kitschy <laughs> and just like the right way. And yeah. um so like, yeah, so kind of what is what is your what is your vision for old bear like as you as you go into the future? I mean, is is this one like is was Bell is Bellsburg, is that kind of like the biggest record to date so far? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean event that i've done for sure yeah, yeah. i mean i've done <clears throat> yeah I, I did uh mitch's last project with him the shrugging of the shoulders i think it's called did a, i've done a few projects with kevin max now <clears throat> like um and i yeah so i'm working on working on this project right now with these guys called the ascendance mm -hmm. and um they're it's hopefully you know first single drop in january um there's uh i just i just did a record with a kid named eric brumley that's like kind of like he's got the most insane voice of anybody i mean he sounds like he's you know he can he can sing it all type of mentality he's actually yeah. in like a sound garden cover band like and that's kind of how he he uses that as a way to like do ministry they're called like mm -hmm. say hello to heaven is the name of the band but anybody who can sing chris cornell that's pretty yeah pretty no impressive kidding. you know so yeah so that that record is coming out uh so eric brumley's record will come out early next year the ascendance record will come out early next year and then i'm starting a new series called around the mic with which obviously Obviously, Brothers McClurg has done around the mic stuff, but I want to do it with like different artists. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm just I'm a, I'm going to start recording that series, which will probably come out. I don't know. I'm going to go and and record. I know Cindy Morgan and I have been chatting about her doing one. Um, and so I ha I just have to kind of like rally the troops that's that's like another series that i want to do that's kind of like just gotta so, just gotta chase it you know so what is your gravitation towards kind of the it's kind of like you're revital you're looking at revitalizing these like 
like the old guard almost is how I think of it. You know, it's like, it's like, oh, you know, Kevin Max, everybody remembers him from DC talk. Right. Right. But it's like, the guy's been around forever. He's like the, right. you know, Cindy Morgan, like what is kind of gravitating you towards, towards this era of artists? That's a good question. I, I, I just like legacy risks and doing something totally new with them that mm-hmm. kind of throws, I mean, a great example would be, and I think we talked about honor, um, the, a great example, of this would be, um, what Rick Rubin did with Johnny Cash. Right? right. I mean, that was like a legacy. I mean, obviously he's huge, but I mean that when I first saw that, I was like, huh, well, I'd like to do records with people that, um, you know, have been around for a long time and still have a lot to say. And, um, I don't know. There's just, and, and sometimes when you work with artists like that, there's a weight to the way they sing and the way they phrase things that you don't always get with the, the younger, the younger people, you know? And I think, uh, I also think sometimes with the younger artists, there's, there's a lot more expectation about, you know, you have a lot more stress from labels and they want mm-hmm. you to make it a certain, they will say a lot of them have a lot more handlers. That's how yeah. we, that's how we, we, we use it where there's <laughs> a lot more expectation of what should and should happen. And I just want to make cool music and believe that it will find the audience it's supposed to reach, you know? And yeah. so the great thing is, doing a record like the rich mullins things helps my reputation it's not just like well who's this guy uh you know i did finally do something that (laughs) made some impact uh and and i'm a part of that with a bunch of different people so i i love that i get to point point to that as i'm kind of working now on these future ideas of like hey this did work this was successful uh Maybe not in the way of, you know, uh, Bethel music or things of that nature, even though I, I feel like we've been trying to chase, you know, uh, Old Bear's been trying to chase the kind of singer-songwriter crowd where you wrestle with your faith. I mean, a bunch of artists will do one or two worship songs on a record, but it's primarily kind of went away from uh, conventional worship music and yeah. more storytelling uh, type stuff you know and so um yeah with kevin it just was him and i started to become friends over a record he did about larry norman and he did like a cover of a larry norman record and um that's how i met him actually and um we've been able to work together on a bunch of things and, and find common ground and the stuff that I've been doing with him is much more stripped than what he normally does. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I'm trying, I'm trying to make it the way I would word it is like, you know, you're, you're, it's, you're not playing in arenas for, if, you know, a large DC talk audience anymore. You're, you're relating more to an indie audience. So let's have the production kind of meet that idea. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Do you like when you, um, when you're working with an artist, how, like, how does that, how does that relationship happen from the, from the production standpoint? Like, do you, 
do they come to you and go, Hey, I got some songs. You're like, well, here, here's, here's how I'd want to approach it and try and like, like who's, who's carrying the bulk of that weight. I mean, it's different in every situation. Obviously if it's an artist now that I've, I'm, I've worked with more than once, which there's, you know, Ian Zumbach, who you would probably love the record. I yeah, his voice, his voice is awesome. I lo- like, yeah, I kind of found him on the Bellsberg thing, and I'm like, okay, now I need to go listen to a bunch of of his stuff because it's like a stand. Yeah, yo, he and he just he just he's putting out a new, a new EP that I helped produce. Uh, the first single's out right now called "Ordinary" that him and my brother wrote, and it's it'll make you cry. It's 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 great. Um. But yeah, I, I think that it's, it's, so if it's an artist that's already worked with me, generally we kind of have a, 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 a way that we like to operate together. That's different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do try to, I try to bring ideas to people that I think would be cool for them to try um, that are looking to do something new that maybe haven't yeah. done something new in a while. So that tends to be the artists that have been around for a while. Um, not that I, I do work with younger artists too. I'm just saying that like, they're, they're more in a chance of like, well, I already have been to the mountaintop. Mm-hmm. I don't really, I, that doesn't mean anything to me anymore. I don't really care about, you know, radio singles and things of that nature. Yeah. You know, I, I, um, and so I try to, I don't know what her, um so i so i that that's the both end of it i guess is that for these two particular projects that i'm working on now it was ideas that i brought to the artists like with mm-hmm. uh Jim, jimmy abeg and those guys and then obviously with bellsberg but i i think that there are either you're either a, a producer that's like a craftsman where you are really good at operating within americana so you have your rules that you operate in americana mm-hmm. you don't you don't use a synthesizer you don't use you know you, you stay within the those perimeters and for me i i think i i try to be more a producer that pushes the boundaries and, and colors between the lines of like well, let's put things together that we really like i tend to have a i tend to have a gravitation towards minimalism like stripping mm-hmm. everything down very, to be very minimal and then rebuilding it instead mm-hmm. of like, okay, there's all this noise and stuff happening. Let's just get a really good core thing going, which is like kind of like what Bellsberg was, even though it, it, we didn't really build that much on it. That wasn't the idea. But I tend to do that a lot with artists of like, let's, let's really melt, boil it down and then kind of re, rebuild it. Yeah. that makes sense yeah no i it's it's so funny like i'll like track demos of my songs in the basement or whatever and it's amazing how many things i pull put on it and then it but in the end i'm just like yeah. it's all gone i just rip it all back out <laughs> it's like but that one idea i got from that 17th track that was the thing that made the one track work you know <laughs> like totally totally you got to kind of be willing to go on the journey i guess right that's yeah. the that's given the take but I don't think I don't think in if you're if you're not going to be a producer that's trying to just you know make the next big worship song or radio single or whatever the, the way you the other way you can do it is just by being yourself and being different people 
coming to you knowing that it's going to be something unique. Um, and I think that there are tons of producers throughout time that kind of did that. Um, and it's just a different path to take. It doesn't mean that it's, that it's right or wrong. I mean, some of my, one of my best friends, Evan, who mixes most of the old, old bear stuff, he's consistently doing country records in Nashville, uh, like working on big country records. Mm -hmm. And that takes a gift to be able to, to do that, you know, cause to me, it just feels like such a foreign idea, yeah. you know, <laughs> but it's like, it, that's a, that's an art form in itself. And you can make a lot of money if you can, if you can do that, you know, you can <laughs> operate fear. So, you know, that's, but that's what everybody's different. You know, I think, but he loves to do creative stuff too. And he loves what he works with me because he's like, I never know what I'm going to get when I'm working with you, what you're going to, what you're up to or what you're pushing towards, you know, so he yeah. can feed into that. Um, in the well, mix finding process. That balance, so yeah, it's finding that balance yeah. of like rawness that sounds good. Right. Cause it's like, cause you can have things that sound right. raw and that just sound bad. Right. And then there's this other, right. and then there's the other, like, well, now it's too polished. Now it sounds too, whatever it's like trying to find that middle ground and going like, no, it sounds, it sounds perfect. It sounds like it is. Do you think that, I mean, you guys, your band, you know, your brothers McClure, yeah. I mean, you guys, when you play, I mean, you play in a very raw setting. I mean, you guys are three dudes and microphones right. and guitars. And do you think yep. that that kind of, that, that skill of being able to do that contributes to the, to the production side of just kind of like, okay, we know how to capture this because we do it all the time without the tracks and the stuff. It's just like, we just do it with what we, with the tools we have right here. Yeah, I think it definitely does for sure. Um, I, I am definitely drawn to real sounds versus just like stuff off a plugin or uh pro tool. Like I like using pro tools to manipulate sounds that's what I love about Pro Tools, that it can mm. help be a great paintbrush or a, bring in these different colors that you can use. But I always try to start from an actual, like, real source. You know, like yeah. this this record we that I'm working on, we the one guy, uh, Ben, is like a well-known photographer. So he brought in all of his old cameras, his collection of cameras. And we just, we sampled all the different shutters, all the different, and, and then put it through Pro Tools and we're just doing bizarre stuff with it, making mm -hmm. these sounds, but it came from like a real source. It wasn't just like yeah. we took it off, you know, and that to me, that feeling of organic is so important in music now. You can make organic records that are electronic. You can make organic records that are, they don't, it doesn't have to just be acoustic, but for us, that's our, that's what we're usually drawn to is like kind of folky, you know, slightly tinged bluegrass, uh, Americana country, and then some weird stuff on top of it. But yeah, I think it does play a piece in trying to find a real factor in the music that is, you know, um feels organic it feels like it's coming from a real source and not just like off a plug-in 
or whatever. Not that there's yeah. anything wrong with plugins. I like plugins too, but to <laughs> me, a lot of that's like icing on the cake. Once yeah. you already have the bones of something great, then it's like, well, what if we just put one synth on top of this? Because you wouldn't expect it, but you already have all these real organic instruments. Now I, now I feel like I can have the payoff of a fake sound because the rest yeah. of it's like really organic so when we're in the studio we're always that's always the model of like is this have enough organic sounds up against the keyboard sounds is there enough push and pull between the real and the fake so that it's not mm -hmm. just because doing that is it's a lot harder to do that if you just have like a bedroom studio because you're just using you know i have these drum samples and i can trigger this and that it's, for me, when I hear that stuff, it doesn't always hit my ear pleasingly. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, it sounds kind of cheap in that way. But if you're in a in a big warehouse like we are, where you can just take drumsticks and bang them on a pipe and make a rhythm <laughs> and sample it, you know, we we do that kind of stuff all the time. And it's just like, yeah. oh, that's you hear that? That's just the door shutting, the squeak of the door, and you just put a long reverb on it and put distortion on it and it makes this crazy sound and it fits <laughs> it's wild but it fits it we did a bunch of stuff like that in ryan claire's new record he put out a hymns record called hymns and spiritual songs that's, that you, uh you probably would really dig and there's a song in there on there called go down moses and we use like harmoniums and all this different stuff to like create this palette and it's it's bizarre but it's like it's fun it's cool i mean i i enjoy it so are you ever uh are you ever you know, in the middle of stuff and have an artist looking at you like so what are you doing <laughs> like no no oh, trust yeah, me man i'm gonna make it i'm gonna squeak this door it's gonna just trust me what i hear in the future <laughs> yeah yeah because when i when i operate in the studio that's where the intersection of worship comes in because when you're worshiping god you have to you get you're catching you're catching these moments that are just happening organically that feel so right and i think that stuff happens all the time in the studio where someone will do something accidentally and you you're like whoa that's that's cool because it was unexpected but you did it and you didn't mean to do it and whatever that is whether it's a sound whether it's like playing a melody that wasn't expected um but generally, yeah, some, some, I, I try to forewarn people, like, if we're mining for, for those otherworldly sounds, like, hey, we need to just get a couple, work on a couple things here that are unexpected. Like, what, what's going to make this more than just the song and a guitar player and a drummer? What are some added elements that'll make this more interesting that takes it to a new place? Mm -hmm. So I think that there's always that push and pull of, um, people looking at you sometimes like really that's we're like no just wait wait till you hear it in the mix it's gonna be cool it's you know and most of the time it does work out sometimes you're like yeah mm -hmm. it's not didn't really work out uh like we were in the <laughs> studio last week and jimmy just kept using the ebo you you'd use on the guitar he kept like doing it on the banjo and, like running mm -hmm. it up and down the strings and it was super cool sounding and we sampled it and just put it in uh put it in put it through like a uh um a keyboard 
and just started using it as like a, a keyboard sound of this just <laughs> him him with the uh, banjo with the evo but we were just pitching pitching it around to the different uh to the key of the song and all that stuff so yeah it's 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 like i said it's a push and a pull but sometimes well, you got to know when to stop too if it's like well, I uh, I I want I don't want to take you away from your uh, from your child for too long. <laughs> get snack time. You got to get snack time going. I know, right? But uh, it's, it's never enough. Now it's dessert time. She just had McDonald's, and so now it's dessert. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I I love man. I love the Bellsberg record, but I've been following all the stuff that you're doing, Old Bear, and everything else, and it's just uh, it's such a like your your passion for it comes through. And I think that's just inspiring. And I think for, especially for worship leaders who are in a place where, you know, where you were talking about like very functional, it's like very functional. Yeah. It's like, okay, I'm taking this and I'm trying to make it so everybody can sing it. And, and I'm having to deal with all these logistics and everything else. I keep just like hammering on the, like, don't forget the creativity. Don't forget the creativity. Like that's why we all got into yeah. it in the first place, you know? Totally. And so it's cool totally. to see you, see you pushing the envelope in those ways. I really appreciate you sharing it with us. Yeah. Well, to me, it's, that's a huge part of my, I feel like my worship to God too is, and I think we, we need to kind of remember that because I think that there, like we talked about, like we were talking about earlier, there are intersections where functionality and creativity can work together to serve, to serve the church and to serve people that you're doing ministry with. So, and it doesn't have to feel and look at all like any big worship team in fact it would probably be more authentic to just do what you do in a in a, in a unique way you know what you have yep. in a unique way so yeah, that it blesses absolutely. those people in that specific area of the world in that specific town you know so i love that you guys do that that you emphasize that i have a question yes if I guess this is more for our listeners. If you are listening to this while watching the podcast on YouTube, which you can, and I think on Spotify too, they have a video. That's besides the point. If you're watching this podcast, did it feel like you were on a FaceTime call? <laughs> because I feel like that was, dare I say, the vibe he was setting. <laughs> well, he's you know, walking all around. You know, think of it as like a tour of his of his space. It's, it's you know, lovely. I mean, he brings. It's more intimate experience. He's not just sitting at a desk. Right. That you're it, fully immersed in his situation. And it is very Chris. Like he he cares about like authentic, uh, you know, authenticity. He cares about rawness. And so I just love it. He's, he, he's so, he's so great to talk to. We've, we've talked a bunch since then too. It's uh it's been good to reconnect. So, and he has great taste in music. That's that, that was one of the things that first mm-hmm. connected us was just like, Oh, you like this band, you like this band. And next thing you know, you're like, all right, we're, I like this. Did guy. we just become best friends? <laughs> Are we best friends? I feel like we're best friends. <laughs> See, now that would be stalky. <laughs> I mean, but you actually had a conversation. You didn't just replicate a video on Instagram. Okay, fine. All right. It's nuance. This is a lot of, it's a lot of nuance. I'm still learning. I mean, my wife actually, Allie, will say to me, she's like, it's so cute. Like every once in a while, you like send me a funny video. It's like you just discovered social media <laughs> like 15 years into it existing. And I'm like, Kinda. And being an internet, uh, I don't want to call you an internet personality. Well, no. <laughs> well, being on the internet, like you, right? I, worship artistry has been around for like ten years, right? But yeah, but the, I've always been. I'm a much more private person, and so 
when I, he was going to the innovators conference that I actually, I was like, Oh my gosh, I have to learn to do something. And also, yeah. you know, I have to say that like when I first started worship artistry, there was, I, I would say there was kind of, um, the world wasn't as open to all the things. Like I felt like there was more way to mess up mm-hmm. on social media than there was to win on mm-hmm. social media because it just seemed like people were looking for you to do something wrong. And, you know, I was like, Oh, you know who, I don't know if somebody's going to go like, Oh, you are involved in this denomination. And now I don't like you. Like, I didn't yeah, know, you know, yeah. and I feel like the world is much more open at this point. And, you know, there's so many people getting into real trouble on social media. Like, <laughs> no I mean, one's going to care about if you, the Jason. worst <laughs> thing I do is get blocked by somebody I don't know. I feel like, I feel like I'm winning. That's okay. I'm winning. It's yeah, working out. You are. So, uh, so if you want to see me stumble through social media, follow me at jason.houtsma. And uh, if you want to check out uh, the Bellsberg sessions, please do. If you haven't listened to it, just do it. I mean, I'll include a link in the bio, or yeah. not the bio, sorry, the description of yep. this podcast. Yep. See, it's all this. It's all it's this. Stuff. All this lingo. All, I'm not the only one that messes up sometimes. Yes, and be sure to go to slash sign up to get a free trial. Um, you get access to over 600 lessons, um, and you can get it for your whole worship team if you are on a team if you're just an individual and you're wanting to learn we have that too so go check that out and we hope you enjoyed and see you next time and i actually know what i'm doing in those videos